Phil Castle has officially arrived in the desert, and the Arizona Coyotes put out a little video to show his excitement. And let me tell you, it was electrifying. Hi, Coyotes fans. Uh, excited to be here. Looking forward to the season start. Wow. There you that, go. That is some excitement right there. I mean, I'm excited. I'm excited for Arizona Coyotes hockey now. The way that he looked at the, sh- at the camera and <laughs> shrugged his shoulders with no emotion on his face, no expression. I mean, I wanted mean, to run through a brick wall. It's like he was reading like, a hostage note like you see, like, you know, yeah. they, they make the hostage read something. Why, why do they have him do that? That's <laughs> oh, just no. his personality, right? Everybody knows that. Yeah. I guess the fans are excited, so they probably want to hear from him. But at the same time, like, come on, man. If he's not a spokesman, he's not a spokesman. <laughs> Phil, blink twice if you need a hot dog. <laughs> well, the, the still shot was what got me of, of that video where he just looks, like, miserable. Yeah. Like, he just wants it, doesn't want to be any part of that. Like, he's had too many hot dogs. Yes. <laughs> he needs to find a bathroom. <laughs> <laughs> Sound of Hockey episode 50. We're over the hill again, I guess. Big, big milestone. <laughs> big 50. Yeah. <laughs> the big five zero. We made it, everybody. Halfway to 100. We're calling this one the Corey Crawford episode. Uh, and as he says, fucking writes Chicago. <laughs> Good pick, right? Uh, Corey Crawford, interesting guy. I do wonder what's going to happen there in Chicago this year. I know we've talked about it a little bit with uh, Robin Leonard getting signed there. Corey Crawford having all these health injuries, health issues over the years. <laughs> Health injuries. Health injuries are tough, man. I hate, <laughs> I hate health injuries. <laughs> uh, so you do wonder if he's going to ever play again, but hopefully he will. He's had a pretty good run. If not, uh, he's, he's been a very good goalie for Chicago. So as number a, 50, Corey Crawford. As a Minnesota fan, where does he rank on your favorite players of all time? Ooh, I actually strongly, strongly dislike Corey Crawford. He's he's had the number <laughs> of my team for quite a few years. And uh, when you see him in net, it's like, oh, this is this is bad news. There's definitely a, you know what? You know what? I'm not going to go down this hole. <laughs> you are baiting me into hashtag minutia, and I am not going to go down this you know, route. He's no anti-Niemi. Well, we've had minutia at the start of every show the last, like, month, so. You brought it up. Yep. I am Darren Brown, <laughs> a.k.a. at Darren Fun Brown on the Twitter, joined, as always, by Andy Ide. Hello, Andy. How's it going? I'm at Andy Ide on Twitter. And John Barr. Hello, John. Hello, everybody. NHL to Seattle on the Twitter. And we're back in studio. Yes, we are. Coming to you from Bar Down Studios in Seattle. Very happy to be here. Wade's here. I haven't seen Wade in a Wade, time. Wade, what's happening? He yep. waved. He no, waved. plug in your... Oh, no. you don't have a mic? No, oh, we don't, yeah. okay. We'll get that. It's we'll get on it. order. Yep. His uh, voice is very unpleasant. <laughs> happy to be here. Like I said, uh, episode 50. Some big news to share this week, and we have a big guest. We Huge guest. Our first ever current pro player, right? Was, yeah. Well, well he plays in the Lexi, NHL. Lexi Bender. Lexi Bender was on before. That's true. Yeah. First okay. current NHL player. That's what I meant. Ish. NHL, NHL and HL. Kind of going back He's and got forth. a pro contract with yes. the NHL. He has yes. played in the NHL. Last season. Yes. And <laughs> he's on the show. He is from Bonnie qualifies. Lake. That's right. Yeah. yeah. Or White Whale. <laughs> we got him. Ladies and gentlemen, we got him. Dylan Gambrell. So fun talking to him. Uh, he will be on a little bit later. Uh, we don't have any reviews to share this week, which that's, is. That's rude. It's concerning. It's uh, <laughs> it's kind of rude. It's concerning. <laughs> we want to challenge our listeners. We need to get to the big 100 mark. Right now, I think we're at 83 reviews on iTunes. So we need to get to that, that triple digit mark. When do we want to do that by? John says by the end of the calendar year. I don't think I don't think that's enough of a challenge for you. I think you're going to overcome that way too quickly. So we're going to push it to Halloween. October 31st. Halloween. I don't think they will do it. I don't think I don't they think will they, either. Pro- but if we prove me wrong, yeah, but prove if me we, wrong. If we really put out a high bar, you know, 
Ooh, bar. B A R. Oh, hey, bar. nice, nice. <laughs> I think that they're going to reach for the stars and they're going to get there. So, hey, you know, guys, I give us five stars. Yeah. There's wow. Thanks, Andy. You guys are doing a great job. Thanks. Very a lot. entertaining. I'm entertained. <laughs> and uh, if you do get us to 100 reviews by October 31st, we're going to do something really special and we don't know what it is yet, but it's going to be super special. So get us there. <laughs> we're going to start with some Seattle NHL news this week. Late breaking news. The team has hired a brand new assistant GM, Mr. Ricky Olchek. What do we know about Ricky Olchek, Andy? Well, he uh, he was with Toronto Maple Leafs last season as a pro scout. Before that, he spent four years as the AGM in Carolina. With uh, he worked for somebody we all know, Ron Francis. Oh yeah, okay. So they're reunited. What and, a coincidence! It feels so yeah. good. <laughs> he also uh, did, was AGM for the Edmonton Oilers for six years. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was the AGM for the Team Europe in the old World Cup, the team that got to the final final, final yeah. game or two games. I guess it was the best of three. Canada won two. Sure. Whatever. <laughs> yeah. So, so they that. did get to the final. They, they got game. to the final. Yeah. Yeah. He was the AGM of that team, even though he's not European. Uh, he's brothers with Eddie Olchek, yeah. NBC fame and and, uh, and uh, the Chicago Blackhawks, I believe, right? So, and I believe I read that he set up the Oklahoma City yep. team for mm-hmm. Edmonton. You think that's going to parlay pretty well into setting up the AHL yeah. team in, in the Palm Springs? Springs. Yep. Which traditionally Allegedly, the assistant GM is traditionally the GM of the AHL affiliate. Yeah, so yeah. that does make a lot of sense. Uh, obviously, there's a connection there with Francis, as He's you mentioned. He's going to get really tan in Palm Springs. Yeah. And as Bob Condor noted in his story uh, about the hiring, obviously, it's it's going to be a heavy focus on managing the salary cap yep. and things of that nature. He had some really good quotes in there, too, talking about the scouts that he wants the team to hire. He says, we want scouts who are not vanilla and not Switzerland. We want to hear their views, allow them to make a passionate case for players they like. So not vanilla, not Switzerland. Love there's that. not many good players that come out of Switzerland. Nino Niederreiter, he's pretty good. Yeah. Um, one. Weird. <laughs> Did he play for the Wild? He used uh, to. Abisher. Stop it. Abisher. Stop doing Abisher. this. <laughs> or was it Dan? No, Abisher. Brent the, Abisher? The goalie. Uh, oh. uh, Abisher. Uh, 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 yeah. Great radio. But great, the great cool thing is that they're slowly putting together their hockey operations uh, team, which now is three. May it was none. David Abisher. David Abisher. <laughs> He had a nice Yeti mask. Remember that? Yeah, yeah. When he played with Carl. Anyway. <laughs> so in May, they had nobody in their hockey operations other than Todd Lewicki, I guess. But that's not really hockey operation. But now they have three. So yep. they, they're slowly building that, putting that together. And it sounds like scouts are coming and more analytics people are coming. So My brain wanted to say, yes, yeah, so they've tripled in size. But that's not correct because if they had zero people and they went to three, that's like multiplying zero by it's three, like, three like yeah. still zero. Yeah, so, it's like an infinite number or more of people, right? <laughs> Hockey analytics. <laughs> anyway, it seems like a really smart hire to me. You know, I, yeah, I lots of experience. I love the move by a GM to go out and get somebody that that he knows and trusts really well, and mm-hmm. that he knows will will do a good job serving as his right hand man. So. And and remember, we talked about this when when Ron Hi- when Ron Francis was hired, not Ron Hire, which I almost called him. Ron Hire was, <laughs> Ron Hire was Francis. When Ron Francis was hired, that one of the big successes he had was that Charlotte Checkers team that he built that won the, the Calder Cup. And so you would think that Olchek as the AGM had a big hand in that as well. Well, side note, anybody following Corey Pronman's kind of farm system ranking system, oh, yeah, their prospect rankings. Yeah. So I'm keeping an eye on Carolina and Carolina's like, I think it was seventh or eighth on the list mm-hmm. of best prospects pool. So 
that well, was that was all most of those are francis and francis, olchek yeah. right yeah. like mm-hmm. in a way so yeah they were in a bad spot when those guys took over so yeah. good stuff yeah uh, also, in local news, we had the WHL tournament this past weekend at Angel of the Winds Arena. One Angel, two wins. Many what wins. did you see there? Based on your, your Twitter feed, and I didn't get to it time because I was out of town, but based on your Twitter feed, Andy, it seemed like you watched a fair amount of hockey here these last few days. I watched uh, eight and two-thirds of a hockey, of hockey oh, game. So I you left. did sneak out early. You said uh, that last Saturday night. Episode. I left, I left at, after, the, after two. Uh-huh. between. Uh, I believe Everett was playing Spokane that night. I left after the second period because I was tired. How do you sleep at night? I How do you sleep, sleep with yourself? Uh, pretty night? well, actually, especially that night. That sounded weird. <laughs> especially that night. I slept pretty well. Um, I normally leave after the Sunday game, but Seattle played uh, every, the Sunday night game, so I had to stay for that. Overtime, yeah. too. Bonus. Yeah, I went bonus overtime. There were like four overtime games, uh, one 12-round shootout, which was exciting. So you might have seen nine games when you add up the overtime, That's right? true. Yeah. That's true. It was, uh, it was good fun. It was a lot of fun. A lot of good games, which for the most part. There was one kind of dud. Um, but that's the one that ended up in the long shootout, but it was 1-1. It just wasn't a whole lot of action <laughs> <laughs> between Spokane and Vancouver on Sunday morning. It might have been because it was Sunday morning and their third game. And So uh, tell us, who are, uh, aside from, you know, the usual suspects of players to watch, was there anybody that really caught your eye this weekend? Well, a couple guys had really good uh, games. Sasha Mutala of the Tri-City Americans, who was drafted this June by uh, the Colorado Avalanche. Mm. He, uh, two games, he played two games. He scored four times and had six points. He had a hat trick Sunday against Portland. Uh, they had him out there at the end looking for goal number four, but it didn't quite happen. Uh, Lucas Siona, the Seattle Seattle rookie, who's a 2021 draft eligible, which we should all keep in Circle. mind. Circle, circle. <laughs> He's part of that Seattle that, that impressive Seattle class that's going to be in that draft. Uh, big power forward. He he scored twice and had two assists in two games. But my favorite play is he scored the game winning goal in Seattle's first game. Uh, really nice play. He had a two on one. He looked off the defender and he went in and deked the goalie. He actually got the goalie to move to the right and then just easy tap in. But then he ran over the goalie afterwards, and so the goal counted. But he also got a goalie interference call on the same play. Hmm. Afterwards, he was pretty funny about it. He's like, he's like, you know, backhand, forehand, tap, and then I fell over the goalie. It was pretty funny. <laughs> <laughs> uh, other local junior news: there are some pretty big signings here by Everett. They've been signing. They've been on a signing frenzy. Uh, they signed uh, my favorite name in the WHL, Jack Lambert. Mm. No relation to the Hall of Fame football player. Okay, but he's a Montana kid. He signed, and he'd been playing for the Everett Junior Silver Tips, so kind of local. And then uh, they signed Brendan Lee, who I believe is uh, eight, 17 years old. Or is he 18? 17 years old. We'll go with it. <laughs> I don't cover ever. They signed Brendan Lee, who is from Seattle. He is from uh, lives on Capitol Hill, but he's been playing with the Colorado Thunderbirds. Uh, so he left. He's one of these guys who left the area to but go he, play more he, competitive. And he did play with. Everett Junior Silvertips. At one some point, yeah. And right. then went, went to Colorado, Colorado yeah. which um, is kind of the path that a lot of these guys have to do. It's like, yeah, oh. and hopefully in like, you know, eight, 10 years, that doesn't have to happen. They can stay here mm. with us hockey. And Wyatt Wiley kind of did the same yeah, thing. He left right? and, yeah, he left yeah. and came back. Um, you know who else played for the Colorado Thunderbirds? Our guest tonight. Yeah, uh-huh. I was just going to say. Right. That's right. I was setting the stage there. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, and I saw that they signed a, a goalie too that I think is going to be sort of the heir apparent to Dustin Wolf. Uh, Braden so, Holt? Yeah. Yeah. And that seems like a, a pretty huge signing. I, again, I'm not like the most well versed in WHL prospects by any means, but uh, the way that they're talking about him, he sounds like he's, he's the next big thing there. Yeah, he played Sunday against Seattle. Looked good. Finally, they have a good goalie up yeah, there. Yeah, huh? it's about time. Yeah. <laughs> 
Let's move into some NHL talk. Now, there was a big, big thing that came out this past week, or maybe it wasn't that big of a thing, but it seemed like a big thing to me, uh, which is that the NHL owners have opted not to reopen the CBA. That basically means, and you can correct me if I'm wrong here, John, but I believe that basically means that they're happy with the current CBA, or at least they're indicating that they're happy with the current CBA. And so they, therefore, are kind of putting the pressure on the players to say, do you guys want to negotiate? Uh, It feels like a good step in the right direction. Feels like there's a lot of optimism that a deal is going to get done. There's not going to be worse. It's one of those damage. things that sounds scary. Yeah. Like like your test came back negative. Mm-hmm. That sounds bad, but it's actually good. Right. <laughs> it's the same kind of thing. Like we're, we're choosing not to reopen them. Like your first glance, you're like, wait, that that's bad news. But then no, you look, read what that well, actually means. Yeah. And news. so what it means is they're happy with the terms yes. of the current CBA and therefore extending it for another three years. But does that mean that because they're so happy with the current terms of the CBA that they really have the better of the deal so the players are definitely going to want to try to negotiate? So I I have read a couple things. There's a couple things on this, right? So the players now have the option to kind of exercise the – it's called the opener, referred Mm -hmm. to as the opener by September 15th. And their press release after the statement from Donald Fair, the the NHLPA, was basically saying that like, oh – we're going to now exercise our right and evaluate what we want to do. Yeah. And so essentially they're not tipping their hand. Now I have heard that they might try to negotiate some like subtle term changes to extend that even further. I don't, I, I kind of read it from a reliable source in the hockey news article. Um, but I don't, I don't really know the origin of that. And I've only seen it reported there. Let's back up. If the owners did not, if they wanted to reopen uh, the CBA, it would expire at the end of next year or end of essentially July of July of 2020. 2020. Beautiful mind gift. <laughs> <laughs> so also take a look at like think about it from the Seattle perspective. One local writer reported it as good news and Seattle dodged a bullet. Well, how does that make any sense when now expires in 2022? Yeah, so we don't want one season and then right, yeah. right. So like now, okay, let's be clear. I hate work stoppages, and I'm yeah, all for mm-hmm. labor peace, as they say. But I'd rather them negotiate a eight to ten year deal now, yes, than waiting three years, one year after Seattle. What could be worse? Yeah. And if there's going to be a work stoppage, I'd rather have it the year before Seattle Bingo. starts playing than Bingo. after, because there's going to be all this momentum. Bingo. And then right? there's a year off. It could be a year off. So now, hopefully. That doesn't happen, yes. right? It seems more positive than in, in, it, it, in it, CBA's it, past. It definitely feels like everybody's relatively happy with the, the things that, that are commonly cited as the players being having issues is the escrow, yeah. which doesn't make a whole lot of sense. And I'll come back to that in a sec. The Olympics. The Olympics, yeah. And is there anything else that they're kind of – I think those are the two big ones. Yeah. So, But escrow is kind of weird because essentially it, they basically garnish their, their paychecks yeah. and put it in escrow. Because? Because they need cost certainty to make sure that the cap is 50% of league revenues. And yeah. so then they sort that out with funny accountant. Funny, no, I should voodoo, say funny accounting. Voodoo accounting. Voodoo, voodoo, voodoo accounting is like arena economics. Layman's right? terms are a way that, that I understand it is that they put money in escrow because there's, uh, what is it, a 50-50 split of revenue, right, between the players and the owners. Mm-hmm. They don't know what the revenue is going to be Bingo. at the beginning yeah. of the year, yeah. right? So they put that money in this escrow thing, which is basically just a holding yep. a pile of money. And then when they know when the actual what the actual revenue is from the year, then they give a big refund check to all the players. So, so that's what doesn't get reported a lot. Is that there is a refund check. It right. sounds to me, right? I'm like, I hear Esker. I'm like, oh man, they're really ripping those players off. They just take their money. But that's not really true. They but give they, it back. Yeah. They never talk about the true up that happens, yeah. right? Yeah, maybe they hold it 
for eight months, let's say, on the long. So the players want their money now. But how are these guys going to live off of three million dollars? Well, I mean, like, I mean, money's tough. money. Like, I'm yeah. not going to take anything away from that. Like, they earned it and they put themselves. Well, in let me tell you way. from my experience, Darren. Three million. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but it's just it. They never report on that that payback at the end or the true up at the end because. If you're getting 15% of your well, do you get interest? Is it, there's, I mean, that goes into an escrow account. Like, do you get back but just the amount you put in? Maybe, or like, there's a very nominal. I'm is sure it's a very conservative. That, that if they invested that, somewhere nobody's else, reporting they would get on that. it. Yeah. Nobody's reporting on it, know. so it doesn't make sense. Back to my point about Seattle is like, I'm, I'm happy for a hockey fan, but from Seattle, I'd rather them negotiate it now. the year yes. before, the yeah. long term. Before, yes. yeah. I'm with you 100. So I don't, I don't know why anybody in their right mind can perceive it as good for Seattle, mm-hmm. right? That's all. all but right. I, I'm happy for hockey and work stoppages suck. And may we never talk about it again, which yes. we've said that a few times on this only, podcast. Only when we talk about how it's been resolved. Yes. And here we are <laughs> talking about it. All right. I want to play a quick game of what do they have in common? Mitch Marner, Braden Point, uh-huh. Miko Rantanen, yeah. Patrick Laine, okay. Matthew Kachuk, Go on. Kyle Connor, Heard of him. Brock Besser. Legend. Who is he? Legend. Charlie McAvoy. Yeah. Never heard of him. Ivan Provorov. Former Wheat King. Zach Wierenski. What, what do they have in common? Well, I know because... Uh, Future crap weasels. Perhaps. That'd be, awesome. that'd be a pretty good team. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, I have to know because I put this on our show sheet. So oh. oh. I know. So okay. I if I you could have played along. Oh. But. Uh, I don't know. They're all hockey players in the NHL. They're yes. all pretty good. They're all young. They're all uh, maybe restricted free agents as of September 1st. And have not yet signed yeah. contracts. So... That's a lot. It's an of impressive number of guys talent unsigned. As why is why is this year so different? I don't remember I don't this being a thing in the in the past. I don't either. Here's my theory. I think that it's kind of the like the the Mitch Marner effect, right? You have these younger players that are you know the league is younger, it's faster now, and so the way that things are set up after the entry level contract, it's supposed to be that they just easily sign you know a, yeah. a team friendly deal. Now these guys that are so young are such cornerstone players, right, in their mm-hmm. in their organizations. So they're like, hey, these if we're going to be the best players, players yeah. we want to have the well, contracts represent it, it that. Could it be that some of those guys are waiting for – Marner's the, probably the biggest ticket on there, right? And so are they waiting for that to set the market? Like Mitch is going to get whatever it is, X amount of dollars, and everything kind of trickles down after that. Like, Maybe. That's what's happening here. It's, it's weird. It's weird that these are some big names yeah. that are still if, out there. If I'm a young player like, – I want to play. I don't know. Yeah. I, I mean, I know that like everyone's got to be telling them like, no, absolutely not. You're going to hold until we can get the, the most. Well, what's it December? Is it December 5th? Or, I mean, we went through this last year with uh, Toronto, right? Yeah, and, with Neilander, but, but yeah. And there might have been one or two others, but yeah. no, not, but not big names like no, this. These are no, big no, names. these are huge. I mean, and this many, right? Like yeah. that's that's a that's a high volume. Like of, that's a good team right there. Oh, very good team. <laughs> I, did, I heard something weird, and, and I'm not going to remember it correctly, so it might not make that much sense. Uh, but where some of the players actually have contracts in hand and ready to be signed, but they're waiting to renegotiate other deals or sign people to extensions, and so they're so that it so doesn't kind of rock the yeah. rock the boat. Now, I did see a tweet where somebody said that they they saw they thought they saw Braden Point leaving the Tampa Bay headquarters. Oh, the other day. So. Maybe there's Ooh. something going brewing Ooh. there. Have you been checking any like tail numbers on private planes? No, I didn't really care that much, but I saw yeah. it. I thought, well, that's interesting. Maybe one of these guys will sign. And, and I like Braden Point. He's a former Moose Jaw Warrior. It always comes back to the WHL. He played for ex Seattle Breaker, Tim Hunter. Uh-huh. I got it. See? Got Tying it to Seattle. All right, let's get to our interview with Bonnie Lakes, Dylan Gambro.
we now welcome on to Sound of Hockey, a very special guest. We are pretty excited to have him because we've mentioned his name a number of times on our podcast as a, a local player in the NHL and the AHL. Uh, Mr. Dylan Gambrell, he was drafted in the 2016 NHL draft second round, 60th overall. Also played for the University of Denver Pioneers, where he won an NCAA championship in 2017. Uh, Dylan, first question, what uh, what town are you from originally? <laughs> Bonnie Lake, Washington. Okay. <laughs> Excellent. We've heard of that. Uh, so we were telling you before we recorded, and, and I don't know if you've ever listened to our show. I, I, I slightly doubt it. But uh, John is a, is a big fan. He's kept a close eye on your career, being that you're, you're a local guy with local ties here, obviously. And um, so that's something that our, our listeners have become very familiar with the fact that you're from Bonnie Lake. So we're, we're very excited to have you on. Um, I do want to ask you, though, because obviously you come from a, a part of the country here in, in the Seattle metropolitan area that's not hasn't been known over the years as a huge hockey hotbed. So how did you personally get involved with hockey in the beginning? Uh, yeah, so I kind of got into hockey through my dad. Um, so my dad grew up um, kind of around Vista, California area. Um, and then he played roller hockey in California growing up and, um, him and my mom eventually moved to Washington and, you know, with roller hockey not being as big in Washington as in California at the time, um, he kind of just started getting to ice hockey. And then, you know, when I was born, he, he just, he got me into it. Which did, were you involved in associations here in the Seattle area? Yeah. So I, um, my first year playing was the first year that Ken Valley opened up. Did you end up playing for any other associations in the area or was, was it just Ken Valley? It was Ken Valley. Um, you know, I, I skated everywhere, but that was the one program. Mm -hmm. And then I played for the Wenatchee junior wild, I think 12 to 14. Okay. And so then you moved away. Uh, and, and I understand that you played for a team called the Colorado Thunderbirds. Were you actually just confused and think you were playing for the Seattle Thunderbirds when that happened? <laughs> yeah, something like that. <laughs> <laughs> what, uh, what made you do that though? I mean, that's a, I, what, how old were you? And I think that's, that's a pretty big decision for a kid to make, right? To move away from home. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was a big decision, but, uh, you know, it ended up working out better than I could have imagined, but, um, I was 14, um, when I moved away, yeah, 14. And so what made you do that? Was it like, did you think there's a lack of competition here or, um, I mean, what kind of went into that decision? For me, it was kind of, I always wanted to go play college hockey and, you know, being from Washington, you know, all the kids are, all that's really in anybody's head is going to the WHL. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, for me, it was education. I kind of like watching college hockey growing up. So I think that kind of went into it. And I thought that that would give me the best opportunity, um, to go to college. And you did have a little bit of a look at the WHL, Kim coming to training camp uh, here with the Thunderbirds, uh, uh, before, you know, deciding to stay on that, uh, the college path, uh, how, how tempted was, were you to, to come here and play with the Thunderbirds? Uh, that was very, uh, very tempting. You know, mm -hmm. we, that was my first year eligible to play in the WHL, I think, and, yep. you know, they, they were going to have a great team. They had Barzell, they had Grop, you know, they had a bunch of other guys, um, and I, I kind of went to camp just open-minded. I didn't really expect to make the team. I didn't really, you know, have any expectations going into it, um, but, you know, I ended up having a pretty good camp. They wanted me to um, play on the team, and I actually had a contract in front of me, but, you oh. know, I kind of, I had already committed to Denver, and, um, that's kind of where my mind was at, and I'm, I'm glad because it worked out. And you mentioned Barzell, and I remember those camps, and I think they put you on his line pretty much every shift you had in, the, in those uh, scrimmages. Uh, uh, it had to yeah. be pretty fun to play with a guy like that. 
Yeah, it was a lot of fun. Yeah, I think we had you know pretty good chemistry too, actually. But. Yeah. <laughs> so so you end up going to Denver, and you, you obviously have a lot of success there. Uh, 132 points in 120 games in your three years. Uh, you won a national championship. Uh, you mentioned you always wanted to play college hockey. Uh, what was that experience like? Was it everything you, you thought it would be? Uh, yeah, I mean, and more if I had to say. You know, I I was uh I was pretty young when I committed. I think I was um I think I was 15. But, um, you know, it was a pretty easy decision for me because I was already playing in Denver. So, you know, I had already I had moved once. I knew I had to move again to play junior. So coming back to a place I, you know, like Denver that I really loved um, kind of just made that decision you know, that much easier, especially with how well the program was doing and um, how close it was for me. And I've seen recently seen some videos of the, the Denver hockey facilities and the, the, the training facilities that you guys have there. It's a pretty, pretty special place there to go play hockey. Yeah, absolutely. You know, they have great teams every year. The training facility, like you said, is unbelievable. So I actually, I still come back here in the summers to train and skate. So, um, you know, it worked out really well. And in that 2017, when you win the national championship, you guys have a big run through the Frozen Four. Uh, what what sticks out to you about that run? You know, everything combined. I think, you know, we had a good start. We knew we were going to have a good team. And the year before, we went to the Frozen Four, and um, we lost North Dakota. So I think, you know, having that loss kind of in the back of our minds, we knew and what we had to do and ultimately where we wanted to be. So, you know, kind of going into that season and just having that attitude the whole time, um, you know, I think that ultimately made us win. But, um, you know, the whole ride, the whole thing, it was it was just an awesome, it was an awesome year. And to come out on top, we couldn't have asked for anything better. So I'm curious, with the uh, college hockey is kind of a different landscape now and like I grew up in Minnesota and at the time Denver was a, a big rival with teams like Minnesota um, some of the other big 10 teams that have now moved into their own conference right and so Denver is is obviously at the forefront of the NCHC and it seems like things have just changed so much since uh, since I moved away from from the Midwest and I guess I'm curious about your kind of opinions on how how college hockey uh, like how that landscape is these days. Do you like the setup with the NCHC and the Big Ten? Or I personally love the way it is now. I think you know every time we have an in-conference game, it's it's basically like a playoff game setting. So you know you play North Dakota, you play St. Cloud, Miami, Colorado College. So I mean every game almost seems like a playoff game for us. And then I know everybody kind of enjoys it. And then I think if you just look at the last four national championships, it's all been NCHC. So it's you know, it's definitely a good conference. Yeah, and I know you played with, uh, in your time there, you played with Troy Terry and, and Will Butcher, and those guys are both pros and doing really well now. So uh, have you played against either of those guys now that you're uh, in either the AHL or the NHL? Uh, yeah, I played against um, I played against Troy quite a few times last year. played against, you know, Bozak, who is another alum of Denver, and then um, I haven't played Butchie yet. But, um, yeah, I think I've played two or three of those guys, so it's always cool seeing them out there mm-hmm. you know, playing against them. Yeah, they're pretty good players. Do you have uh, pretty good chirps that you make towards them? or? <laughs> I mean, we got we got our inside joke. Yeah. <laughs> so you left college after three seasons, uh, and then immediately went uh, into a game for the Sharks. Was it hard to leave school after after your third year, or you know, was it was it somewhat of an easy decision? Since it seems like that's kind of the, the process if, for uh, young prospects. It was still a hard decision for sure, just because you know you you can't get that year back. Once you sign, it's gone. You know. So, um, but I thought for me personally it was kind of time um you know to keep pushing keep playing and you know playing against bigger stronger guys was important and you know so i think it was it was definitely hard to leave but um you know i'll still have the opportunity to come back during the summers i got 
um, pretty close to my degree, so I'm still working at that. So uh, hard decision, but I think for me it was the right one. And you talked earlier about um, always wanting to play college college hockey as if that was maybe the end goal. But what time in your life did you realize like playing in the NHL was an actual possibility? I mean, that was, that's always a dream, you know, just like any other kid, but I don't know. I just, I just loved playing and, you know, I played debut for, you know, juniors and then I had a pretty good career there. And, you know, I think after my freshman year of college was kind of the point during or after freshman year, I was kind of like, hey, you know, this is a real thing now. So I had always been, you know, committed and it, was, it wasn't anything like that. But at that point, I was kind of like, you know, this is it's real now. And then you were called up a couple times between or you were back and forth between the Barracuda and the Sharks this year. Um, how hard is the adjustments to kind of going up and down? And, and how different is the AHL play versus the NHL? They're both great competition and, um, you know, both really great leagues. And it's good to go down. And I think... For me, it was better to go down to the AHL, continue to develop so that when I did get the call up, I would be you know, more ready than if I was just called up and getting scratched the whole time. So development-wise, I think it was good for me to go down and um, you know, come back up with more confidence uh, and then being more used to the pro game uh, than I was before. And then uh, Barracuda and Sharks have that rare scenario where they essentially play and practice in the same locations together. Does that make it a little bit easier to kind of keep in touch with what's going on with the, the NHL club? Yeah, that makes it a lot easier. I think just because, you know, there's teams that are, have their minor league teams across the country. So for me, it was just a walk across the hallway, which, you know, <laughs> made it that much easier. But um, I, it was hard at the beginning, but, you know, I started developing relationships with, you know, both teams, and it, it made it really easy a few weeks after the season started. And you end up uh, coming up uh, for a big moment with San Jose with the Sharks, I should clarify in the conference final against the Blues. Uh, that's a pretty, pretty big situation to step into. Uh, you end up scoring your first NHL score goal uh, in that game. Uh, what was that whole experience like, to, just to play at that big of a, of a stage? You know, that was, that was really exciting. Um, and then, you know, obviously the score was kind of just, you know, what you dream about, you know, scoring mm-hmm. your first goal in the NHL. It, it sucked that we, you know, we couldn't get a win that game and uh, push the series on. But, um I think it was, it was a big step for me, and I think I'm just going to have a, you know that much more confidence going into this season coming up. Did you did you get to keep the puck from that that goal? Yeah, yeah, I got. The- <laughs> Wasn't sure how that works in the playoffs. <laughs> yeah. right? that's, that's, yeah. that's really not what people are thinking about. So, so in the, you mentioned you're in Denver working out here in this off season. Uh, how does your your regiment now, your training in the off season now as a pro, compare to to how it was when you were a college gear or college uh, uh, player? Pretty similar. I mean getting stronger, gaining a few pounds, but you know, at the same time, keeping the quickness and the speed and, you know, working on the few things on, on ice that I need to, you know, get better at to continue. So it hasn't changed a lot, but uh, there's definitely a few things, just, you know, taking care of the body a little more and play so many more games. So it's like, you know, kind of what you need personally. And uh, so, yeah, not too much has changed. And, and as you know, for a hockey player, is it is it a split evenly between working out on the ice and the gym, or is it is it heavily towards one or the other? Uh, I mean, it's pretty even. You can't yeah. you know, you can't really do one without the other. I realized when you get to pro how much more important recovery is with the travel. And like I said, you know, you're playing twice the amount of games than you would in college, so um, that's that's a big part of it for sure. 
And looking ahead to this coming season, uh, you're, you're one of those guys that's been up and down. You're, you're, you know, almost there in the NHL, the regular. Uh, what do you think you need to do to, to to get to the point where you stick with the Sharks all year? You know, there's a few things, but you know, I think the main thing for me is uh, just being hard on pucks, you know, being assertive, being gritty in the corners, and then, um, you know, kind of just continuing to work on my face-offs. So, obviously, uh, you've heard the news that Seattle's getting an NHL franchise. <laughs> uh, how much were you following it over the years, um, at least the possibility of us getting a franchise up here? I followed it pretty closely. I mean, I would... You know, it, it is awesome. It's not, it would be awesome. But yeah, I mean, I followed it real closely and um, you know, I can really be more excited about it. And then how many tickets do you expect to be buying people up here in your first game in Seattle? <laughs> I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> gotta get, gotta get there first. But yeah. 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 So there's three of us here. So that means. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> are, you, are you a fan of other uh, Seattle sports teams? Do you follow like the Seahawks and Mariners? Yeah, I follow the Seahawks and Mariners, and then I got you know all the old school. Sonic jackets, all that oh, kind of stuff. Nice, yeah. How about this one? I'm a big, uh, big shenanigans, off ice shenanigans guy. Uh, do you have any? I mean, from mm-hmm. your from your time, do you have a favorite prank or moment from uh, maybe something that one of your teammates pulled? Off ice shenanigans, <laughs> or on? I mean, <laughs> yeah, any kind of shenanigans. There's I just like shenanigans. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's so many. It's hard to pinpoint one. I'll, I'll think about it. Get back to you on that one. Right. And, and Dylan, you know, just one more question back to your, your Colorado days. I, I believe when we talked, you mentioned that Brandon Carlo was a roommate of yours. Uh, that program has actually put out a lot of guys. Do you still stay in touch with those guys from, from that Colorado uh, team? Yeah, I see. I actually see most of them pretty often throughout the summer. Whether we're skating, working out, or whatever we're doing. But yeah, I see them pretty often. That must be a benefit to that, just how many hockey players are in Denver that you can get a pretty good a skating or a pretty good workout in the summer. Yeah, it's great. Right now we have um, it's called Pro Camp. Um, so we get all the alumni that are still playing pro from Denver and then, you know, whatever local guys that live here just in the summers and work out and skate and then. You know, we'll go golf or whatever after. But <laughs> so you hear kind of varying stories about how good some teams are in terms of like their their veteran presence with younger guys in the organization. How has the how have the Sharks kind of taken you in as a team? Um, they've done great. I mean, I've you know they welcome you in with open arms and they're always there to give you advice. Like you know, guys like Jumbo or Brenzy or whoever it is, they're they're there to help you. So you know, they do a great job with young guys. Does uh, does Bernsey bring his like snake around like the as many <laughs> animals yeah. brings around on a leash to the rink <laughs> no, I, no I, i've never seen the snakes <laughs> all right well dylan gambrell thank you very much for doing this we really appreciate the time and we're definitely going to be keeping an eye on you here uh definitely this yeah, season thanks. and and onward and upward for you good luck on the season awesome thank you guys i appreciate it all right so there you go thank you dylan for coming yeah, on the show awesome he took the time that's out to awesome that. that was yeah. really cool taking some time out of his summer here to, to talk to us we really enjoyed he's in a know. he's in an interesting spot like yeah. we didn't kind of get into it on the uh, I mean, we alluded to it a little bit but uh some people haven't projected to be in san jose this year in sorry in the the, for the sharks this year <laughs> yeah one way or the other <laughs> um and penciled in on the third line mm-hmm. center but mm-hmm. joe thornton hasn't signed either mm. and then alexander true is also kind in of that mix yeah yeah and so I don't think they'd keep him up if he's just going to play fourth line. He had, be, a good year. he had a good year with the Berkeley, He had a great year. Though. Yeah, yeah he had like 50 points had, in yeah. about 50 games. So and he was up and down, so he might, he might have had more if he was down. Anyway, that's that's one thing I'm going to be kind of keeping an eye on in yeah. preseason camp. I think both those guys should be in the mix, which would, you know, which probably would mean that there'd be a lot of local fans who become Sharks fans. Dylan, <laughs> thank you for joining us. We have a You Don't See That Every Day. 
In a KHL game between Seska and Avangard, what happened, John? Maxim Judinov uh-huh. just wound up and took a slapper from the far blue line. Actually, in. inside the yeah, fire. That's more like, like a circle. top of the circles. Yeah. In his own zone. Oh, I apologize. Yeah. Please get it right, John. I mean, yeah. let's get the facts right. <laughs> yeah. Our viewers, our viewers and our listeners. Viewers. Our listeners can't can't <laughs> see it. So that changes everything. We people need to really us. walk him through it. So he gets he gets the puck in his own zone. He's just kind of slowly skating it out. He just winds up and fires it. He does get a little bit of a curl on the puck, yeah. like a, a right to left curl, and it just like a fade goes well, right well, through the wickets on goaltender Johansson, number thirty one. I have two questions. Mm-hmm. One, if Darren if Darren asked you what happened, then he just explained what happened. So why did he ask you? Yeah, good good for the pod. And I guess. number two. Did the five guys in front of the goalie make a mistake on that play? Because he took a shot from the side. Oh. That's a tough. Should they be blocking that <laughs> That's shot? a good question. I mean, it was a rocket still. The block it from that so point? turns out this is his third goal from the far blue line since March. No kidding. Yeah. So kind of you, you see might see that every day. At least well, three days. Or ish. Okay, so you see every day a goal every from day. the far – most days from this guy every from the far day. blue line. But – you don't see it every day that somebody scores from the far blue line three times. Okay, now this is the the, the so beautiful moment because yeah. I don't know what's going on now. <laughs> <laughs> Either way, I'm going to go out on a limb and say goals from the far blue line or the far circles, you don't see that every day. Moving on to our weekly one-timers. Our first weekly one-timer. So we mentioned that Mitch Marner is one of those fellows that hasn't signed his contract from being a restricted free agent. Uh, The Toronto folks apparently aren't thrilled about it. There's a tweet that went out from a very reputable source at (laughs) McScoopDog. Title is (laughs) McScoop the News Dog. Yes, everyone knows him and loves him. It says, Toronto police sending a strong message to Leafs holdout Mitch Marner. Get the contract signed now and the video is you know when they're like training the canine dogs the attack dogs and the, yeah and they put one of the officers or whoever into those big like padded suits so that the guy can the, the dog can just jump them and chew and on just, them and yeah you know bite the hell out yeah. of them so they have what appears to be a I think it's a police officer probably wearing one of these suits but the suit is all done up to look exactly like a Toronto Maple Leafs uniform and it's got Marner 16 on the back. Very subtle message from that, the that's gonna, Toronto wow. police. Oh, well, that's going to get it done. For yeah. sure. I'm sure right? he saw that and started shaking. Oh, I better sign now. I mean, that's a the police department is like, hey, we're done they're, with this. They're party. normally very rational about the Toronto Maple Leafs in Toronto. Their fans and supporters are usually pretty, and, pretty, pretty level-headed and yeah. kind of calm. Well, and anytime McScoop Dog tweets about, <laughs> well, you know, it's, you know, it's big news. Listen, McScoop the News Dog, he he gets the job done. Okay, <laughs> he the news dog. He can like he threw the news he in can there. Type and tweet with his paws. That, that's pretty good. Our next weekly one-timer, Jesse Pulja. Told you not going to play here anymore. Is now playing where, Andy? He's playing in the Finnish Elite League for Ulan Karpat, which I'm Ulu. 100% sure I'm pronouncing right. Yeah. Uh, this is an interesting move by him. So this is a guy who I, I believe he said, or maybe his agent said, that he wouldn't play another game in Edmonton, upset about the way that they're handling his development, not giving him enough, enough ice time, blah, blah, blah. Uh, and so he decides to sign a contract in Ulu, and, and uh, that's it. So he Now, I know that he has an out clause from this if he gets an opportunity to play in the NHL again, but I don't think... I think he has any way of playing in the NHL again, right? Other than, oh, he's an RFA. He is an RFA. Okay. So that's part of it. But then he can only sign with Edmonton. Or they could trade him. 
and he has to sign by that deadline in December to be able to play in the which NHL. Is, which is in that finished contract as well. Right. right. So, there's a clause that he can come back. Right. So I guess the only end game here that really would satisfy him is if he gets traded by Edmonton, right? His rights get traded, and then he's able to who, renegotiate with a new team. Who has leverage here? It's hard to say who really has leverage because Edmonton hasn't relied on him. I mean, they, Well, th- that's the thing about RFAs, right, is that they don't have much leverage because no. they kind of have to sign with that team or do something like this. You know, yeah. you throw out an empty threat of I'm going to go play in Europe, except and there's it's no not way an empty threat for him. He's actually over there playing yeah. in Europe. And so. there's no way, though, that his getting paid what he would get paid in the NHL. Sure. Of course. So. Yeah. I mean, who knows what they're offering? But the, yeah. the weird thing is in Edmonton, they have a new coach. Mm-hmm. Dave Friend Divitt, of the pod. Friend of the pod. Yep. New GM, Ken mm-hmm. Holland. So, like, it's it going like to be. there a, could be a, a new leaf turned over there, right? It but could be. But I think those remarks came after, after that was already happened. Yeah, it so, doesn't sound like there's been a whole lot of communication. But that's my point is that if you're somebody who's not happy with the way that the coaching staff and the management is handling you, and then you have a complete turnover in coaching staff and management, why wouldn't you at least give that a chance? You know? Well, they have to sign. Yeah, sign him, right? So that I mean, if and if they're, they're offering, offering him what he thinks, right? And and as a number two pick, like this is his, he's supposed to get some return here. And he's keep in mind, the kid's only twenty one, yeah, right. And like the a lot of Edmonton fans and media are kind of writing him off as like never made it guy. Mm-hmm. And it's like he's plenty of time to turn around. Like yeah. I can't evaluate his talent, and I know there was a lot of hype around him the mm-hmm. first year, but but he was he went because he's huge. He actually like went fourth. He went fourth overall. And he was expected to go third overall. And that's when uh, Columbus drafted uh, Pierre-Luc Dubois, Mm. which is really weird because Jarmo Kekalainen was a Finnish GM in Columbus, but skipped on the Finnish player. And that should tell you something, right? That maybe he knew something about about this kid. But I don't think that's the last we've seen him in the NHL, to be perfectly honest. And I just hope he's given another chance chance, yeah, to see if it happens. Our next weekly (laughs) one-timer. Speaking of people stepping away from the NHL, uh, Justin nice. Williams. Very nice. Sorry, thank you. Thank you. Good. Yeah, no reaction. Okay. Uh, <laughs> Justin Williams of the Carolina Bunch of Jerks has decided not necessarily to retire, but to step away from the game. Taking a break. For the time being. So taking a break. Mr. Game 7, as they call him. It's an, in- it's an interesting move, but I mean, I guess when you get up to a certain age, maybe you don't want the rigors of a full NHL season, so you sit out until it feels right to come back, and then you and sign he's a contract. free agent, right? So this isn't, any, this isn't any kind of contract, because he could sign anywhere. That's correct. Right. So he, maybe it's just like, you know, he wants to see how his body reacts. Didn't Rick Nash do this, something similar? Like, he didn't uh, quite retire, but said, I'm just going to step away. And never and came and back, never though. came back, yeah. But, but it's but probably initially Peter, he said that. Peter Forsberg did that a couple times That's where right. he came yeah. came and basically made the stretch run with Nashville, I believe. Yeah, so this is, this is not unprecedented. And I, and I think, this. you know, obviously he opened the door to come back, but it also could be to see if he really wants, misses it. Like, yeah. Probably once the season starts, it's going to change your emotion, and he probably doesn't know how he's going to react not playing once the season starts. So that might that might kind of trigger something. Um, what's interesting to think about is Joe Thornton and Patrick Marlowe are somewhat in the same boat. They yeah. just haven't announced anything. Yeah. Neither are signed right now. They're just kind of um, out there. Yeah, they're kind of out there, and maybe come the start of the season, they don't sign. They just mm-hmm. kind of wait for some an opportunity and see how it it looks so I know they're skating, but um, for the most part, they're they're in the same boat. Mm-hmm. Carolina you wanted to bring it back to the Sharks, don't you, John? Carolina Hashtag wanted. <laughs> 
Carolina wanted an answer, and I think that was kind of the pressing issue. Ironically, Carolina had Patrick Marlowe for about four hours. That's summer. right. Mm, that's right. That's true. Let him get away. Uh, it always next... comes back to the <laughs> Seattle Thunderbirds. <laughs> oh, good one. <laughs> our, our next weekly one-timers. I said that plural. I meant singular. So Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we had a few retirements from the NHL this week. Nicholas Cronwall, longtime Red Wing and really, really great player who scared the bejesus out of many opposing forwards. Mm-hmm. He was a perma Red Wing, right? Yes. He never played for any team other than the Red Wings in the IHL. He played 15 seasons. Uh, but man, what a, what a great player he was. Nobody hit harder than him. Uh, for a while, I remember growing up, if you if you really ran somebody over, it was called cronwalling somebody. Yeah. Like he became a verb at some point in the hockey vernacular. So I want to um, become a verb. Uh, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll work on that. We'll workshop it. <laughs> workshop it. <laughs> but anyway, so Nicholas Cronwell, he he retires and says that he's joining the front office of uh, Detroit as an advisor of some sort. So there you go. He sticks with the team. Uh, another one, Ben Lovejoy. What do you have to say about that, Andy? A defenseman. Uh, he played uh, 544 <laughs> games in the NHL. Uh, he played for Pittsburgh, Anaheim, and New Jersey, and then 20 games last year with the Dallas Stars. I think he won a cup, didn't he, with Pittsburgh? Yes, he won a cup. Uh, I also remember from, I think he was in the featured in the 24-7 road to the frozen, whatever, winter classic thing. Uh, and he had just <laughs> oh, gotten... the frozen winter classic. Yeah, he had just gotten hit in the oh, face yes. in a slap yeah, shot. His face, face yeah, was, was all swollen. swollen. Yeah. Remember that? Yeah. It looked like I had a basketball on the side of his face. <laughs> yeah, or like a grapefruit. <laughs> <laughs> maybe. Uh, and then finally, Cam Ward, who also won a cup with uh, with Carolina, the bunch of jerks, has mm-hmm. he signed a one-day contract to be able to retire as, as a member yeah. of the Hurricanes. All those guys won cups Yeah, we just talked about. Cronwell did. Yeah, we yeah. didn't mention that initially. Yeah. But yeah, I don't know if you guys saw on, on uh, Cam Ward uh, a heated Twitter debate started between friend of the pod, Greg Wachensky, and Ryan Lambert, his co-host on their podcast about who the better goalie was, if it was Cam Ward, Roberto Luongo, or Henrik Lundqvist, over that over their careers. But he had some of the best save yeah. percentage yeah. of those categories. Like, yeah, it was entertaining to watch. I don't know if I have an opinion on it, but it was pretty, it was pretty fun to watch that debate. Cam no. Ward, I felt like he he came on so strong at the beginning, right? And like pretty early in his career, he won the cup. And then, then just there were like, some bad hurricanes. There's some really yeah, bad teams, that. and like he may not have been that bad, but like there's yeah. some bad teams in front of him. But he, and later he, on, he really fizzled. Yeah, he kind of aged quickly, if, and, if you will, right? and poorly, right? Like, <laughs> like Lundqvist. Lundqvist has gotten maintained some sort of like steady and he's play, a handsome, and he's, a handsome and he's man. getting more and more <laughs> handsome every day. <laughs> Right. Luongo, maybe he aged a little bit, too, because he started getting hurt a lot. But um, he still looked like Robert Luongo than that. And he kept up his image by being hilarious yes, on Twitter. Yes, so, too, yeah. You know, so he had that did, going for him. So what did Cam Ward have? I don't know. What's what's the analytics on the hilarious tweets versus save percentage? Is there, is there a number that combines those two? Well, I there, think he actually Luongo played pretty well. He just got hurt a lot. Yeah. yeah. That's kind of the, the detriment of yeah, his. Yeah, there, there has to be a correlation, though, between those things. Uh, I think yeah. so. <laughs> Somebody work on that, please. Yeah. Uh, our next weekly one-timer. The Philadelphia Flyers will be featured on Behind the Glass on NHL Network. So last year it was the New Jersey Devils, and I watched a few of the episodes. They were pretty fun. Very similar to that kind of 24-7 approach, right, mm-hmm. except it was Not it all person. just in training camp, though? I feel like it kind of is. This is supposed to be yeah. just in training camp. So it's like a hard knocks type of thing, right? Yeah. yeah. But What's, without the cursing because it's on NHL Network. Right. What's right. cool, though, is we have a local reason to watch, right? Wyatt Friends Wiley of the, Friends of the pod. is trying mm-hmm. to – Get a pro contract and mm-hmm. sign with Philadelphia. So Carter Hart, I'm sure, will be focused. Carter Hart will be featured, yep. yeah. and then and maybe Roddy Ross. Roddy Ross as well. Main camp, he, like he, yeah, he if he can camp. just stay a little longer, like he yep. should get some. 
And you know they're going to profile the guys that are kind of on the bubble or at least the, yeah, that's the prospects. Yeah, where the drama is usually. Yeah, because the veterans, you see plenty of them. I mean, there's going to be plenty of coverage there, but it's about training camp and about making the team. So it should be pretty cool. Our final weekly one-timer. Whoops. This was a late addition to our show notes. I don't know if you guys Uh-oh. even saw that I added no. this. But there was an exhibition series this past weekend in British Columbia. I believe it was in Vancouver. Between my Wisconsin Badgers and the University of British Columbia Thunderbirds, uh, another fake Thunderbirds team, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> another one. What I want to talk about here is there's a couple of things. Number one, Cole Caulfield is on the Badgers. We've talked about him a lot, as is Alex Turcotte, a couple of first-round draft picks from this past year's draft. So they're going to be a fun team to watch. But what was interesting about it, number one, Caulfield scored the first goal of the year for the Badgers. Of course he did. Then in the second game, he had a hat trick. So the Badgers ended up winning both games. Uh, But the other thing that was kind of interesting is that this is somewhat unprecedented for NCAA teams to play against college teams in Canada. So Mm -hmm. they think... And, and they, meaning, you know, the people around the college ho- hockey campfire, uh, they think that <laughs> this could open doors for more of these exhibitions down the road. So kind of a cool thing, sort of a, I don't know if it's totally groundbreaking, but it, it feels like a move towards improving the, like, sort of crossing over between Canada and, and the U.S. It's interesting to me just because of how the NCAA is always considered CHL players taboo. Mm-hmm. And these teams in, in Canada are loaded with CHL. I think we counted 12 former WHL players that played on that, U, that UBC team. Mm-hmm. They've always looked at if you even play with those guys, you're somehow tainted because they're they have played with professionals, quote unquote. So it's interesting to me that they're overlooking that for something like this. Well, it's just an exhibition. I don't think there's anything to be thought about that. I mean, it's the NCAA. Hey, like, what do you? I have strong them? feelings about that, but I think the NCAA makes up the rules as they go. Well, the NCAA is also run by criminals and thieves. So. <laughs> But that's neither here nor there. What, John? Why are you giving me that look? No, I'm not a fan. I'm just, <laughs> I'm just saying. Like, I mean, it's an I exhibition. I just think it's interesting game. that if you play, yeah, but if you play an exhibition game in the WHL, you're ineligible to play in the NCAA hockey. So yeah, but they're just so they're playing against professionals, right? Yeah, but some so we're the, but the, but their their theory not. is that you're play, because because you're playing with guys who may have signed pro contracts. Well, there's guys in that UBC team who have played with guys who have pro contracts. But they're playing against them, not. But that's the them. same thing, though. It's the same. Th- anyways, it's, we can go on and on, and this is a whole other subject for another day. But I just hope that the Wisconsin amateurs didn't get the cooties on them from the mm. WHL guys. My favorite part about it was that the Badgers are all wearing full shields because you have to in college hockey, and the UBC players are wearing <laughs> half, the, the, half the visors. visors. Yeah. Uh, that wraps up this week's weekly one timers. We'll close out the show as we always do, as long as it's not in season with tweets of the week. <laughs> My tweet of the week is actually from member of the pod, Andy Eide. <laughs> so I took a photo of myself when I was on vacation at a distillery. Or, well, I had somebody take a photo of me. And I'm, I'm drinking an old-fashioned because uh, I was wearing my Sound of Hockey t-shirt. I wrote, always grinding for at sound underscore hockey. Andy quote tweeted it and wrote, <laughs> caption this photo. But so, that's not the tweet of the week. Right. Not my no, that's not really the tweet of the week. The tweets of the week come from all of our <laughs> listeners who did actually caption the photo. So HockeyMat41 says, that feeling when you realize your favorite NHL team is this season's Ottawa Senators. <laughs> that was hurtful. He says he gave another option. That was he gave another option, which was or that feeling when at NHL to Seattle has announced the three-on-three rosters in the locker room and you're lined up against Team Cherry Pick. <laughs> Or worse, you're on Team Cherry Pick. Uh, next one comes from friend of the pod, PNW Bra, Michael. He says, when the conversation isn't about goalies. Pretty good. That's true. Tibby says, having to listen to another Minnesota Wild reference. 
Was, again, a little hurtful. <laughs> Malicious. Paul, Paul Buxton says, reminiscing over fond memories of the Paul Fenton era. Which would require a beer. Philip Wadlow says, when Wade screws up an episode during editing. Oh, yeah. That all time. Lowell Thompson says, getting ready for goalie gear corner. Oh, does this mean we're going to have to hear the horns now? <laughs> and then Alex Richardson says, soon. Soon it will all be mine. They'll see. <laughs> Those are awesome. Oh, Good stuff for our uh, listeners. Love our listeners that. know this show. It's pretty yeah. cool. Yeah, it's awesome. All I right. Love it. Your tweet of the week, Andy. Mine comes from the previously mentioned Ben Lovejoy, who, as I mentioned, was a defenseman. Uh-huh. Previously mentioned, <laughs> as you mentioned. Yes. Outstanding insight. <laughs> yeah. He, uh, as, as we talked about before, retired. And the way he announced his retirement was on Twitter. And he has just a picture of him looking kind of thoughtful, you know, like the old thinker pose. Mm-hmm. And with a whiteboard behind him, and he's, if you're a fan of The Office, you'll, you'll get the reference. It's a quote. It says, I declare retirement, quoted by quoted Michael Scott, and then underneath that, quoted by Ben Lovejoy. Mm-hmm. Nice. Pretty good reference yeah. to The Office. Very Love good. It. John, your tweet of the week? Uh-oh. <laughs> oh, Not again. Actually, I have games on our radar. What? Yeah, Whoa. that's right. So okay. there's the Traverse City Prospect Tournament mm-hmm. that that happens every year. There's eight teams participating. It starts Friday to Tuesday. I'm sure a lot of the teams participating will have some kind of online feed that you can watch the games. Hockey's back, yeah. and it's these big prospects, so I'm pretty excited. Yeah. I warn that if you do try to watch one of those streams, I bet that the quality is going to be very low. But if you're looking for a little Usually hockey one to watch. Camera. Yeah. Usually just one camera following the uh, But if you're looking for a little hockey to watch, you should be able to find some here in the next week. So that's And if you have fun. a favorite prospect, it's kind of fun to yeah. see what they're up to. Yep, or a favorite team that's playing in this tournament or whatever the case Hockey is back. Now, I just, before we go, I just want to discuss here very briefly. John, was that kind of a, an indication that you're not a fan of Tweets of the Week? Oh. Uh, I cannot confirm or deny that oh. statement. <laughs> you need to have Wade find you a Tweet of the Week. Do that. That's, he's an intern. Yeah. Have him do that. That's what they do. Yeah. <laughs> John's not buying it. No. I don't think John trusts Wade. <laughs> I don't. Oh. <laughs> he is an intern after all. That's why we don't give him a mic. Oh, poor Wade. Uh, yeah, so before we go, I did want to do a shout out or a puck out. Oh, a stick tap? Yeah, to to my buddy. I think I can call him my buddy. Okay. Uh, former Thunderbird equipment manager, Trevor Heinzerling. Uh, he got hired by the Dallas Stars as their assistant equipment manager. Oh, that's he's awesome. The, he's in the NHL now. He had been, he left Seattle after their championship year. He went to the AHL. He was working with the Colorado Eagles for the last couple of years and now up to the, to the So NHL. side note, side yeah. note, there's also a former Seattle Thunderbird equipment guy in Tampa, Jason right. Berger, friend of mine. Mm-hmm. I got to catch up with him when I was in Boston last year. But um, anyway, there's a lot of Thunderbird equipment guys out there. Uh, now, if he worked for the Colorado Eagles, was he in charge of managing the trophy? <laughs> <laughs> That's a good question. I, have, I should ask him that. Mm-hmm. I have not asked him. Well, that was the ECHL. That was This is the AHL. Oh, well, but yeah. I mean, there's yeah. a transition there. Yeah. Hmm. That was the Newfoundland Growlers who won that, right? Well, well but yeah, no, it went but, missing with the Eagles. Oh, that's right. Sorry. Yeah. Yes, I forgot the whole Come on. story. Jesus. Sorry. Good thing you're not our AHL course. <laughs> yeah. Stick taps to Trevor Heinzerling. Very cool uh, to hear, hear that he's been hired by an AHL yeah. team. And that wraps up episode 50 of Sound of Hockey. So make sure to leave your review on iTunes. Yes. Get us to 100 by October 31st. Or else. And something – no, something – we're going to do something nice. <laughs> there's, there's there's no you ultimatum. You can the listeners? There's no threat. Okay. It's just, you know, we want to get to that, that 100 People mark, respond so. to threats. I don't know. We should rethink that. Do they, they also respond they? to sure. incentives. So we're yeah, going to try to incentivize. I guess. <laughs> it's something we don't know what we're doing. Either way, subscribe on iTunes, subscribe on Stitcher, subscribe on Spotify, leave your reviews wherever you possibly 
absolutely can. And uh, oh, and buy your t-shirt. Buy your t-shirt on NHLTCL.com. And we will talk to you all next week for episode 50. Cheers. Hey!